0: appreciate all the men, they always, uh, even though we're all up here together, uh, it all sounds good. The guys sound good. I always enjoy that. And then the ladies, y'all too, and, and it's good to see this good number here tonight. Go ahead and open your Bibles tonight, First Peter chapter 5. So a lot going on, a lot to be thankful for. Just I'm thankful for you uh, for being here uh, this evening uh, we we took a detour last uh, Sunday night, just uh, just a message that I just felt uh, led to share uh, prayers that will change your life. That's what I preached on last Sunday night. Prayers that will change your life. Four short prayers that we found in God's holy word. Back to uh, the changed life. First Peter series. We had got to the duty of the pastors in verses of uh, chapter. First Peter 5, 1 through uh, 7, and now we pick up the subject of Satan as a roaring lion. Isn't it interesting that Jesus is known as the lion of the tribe of Judah? And now here in a, of course, a menacing standpoint is Satan as a roaring lion. Let's just start off in verse 8, and we'll just stay there for a little bit. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. I've heard many a, a sermon on this particular passage, uh, especially maybe from uh, young seminary students. This, this is an attractive verse for whether you're a first-year Preacher or a preacher has been preaching a uh, hundred years to think about this is easily identifies our enemy This is our enemy. This is the bad guy You know, the bad guy is not each other The we're, we're not each other's enemy We should be lifting one another up and praying for each other and encouraging one another and and trying to help each other and that's that's that's, that's the goal. That's, the, that's what we should be after. And that's the, even in the very first church that uh, was started by Jesus Christ, they had to deal with the devil. Jesus, and and we'll get there in just a second, had to deal with the devil. He is the bad guy. Uh, God made Adam and Eve one man, one woman, and guess who comes calling? Satan. Satan. In Genesis chapter 3, he's the enemy. Uh, neat interest. We did a little study, and uh, matter of fact, on the end times um, in the, uh, my uh, Bible study class, BTC class. And we talked about that. And it's, an, and it's also an interesting study, not only in the end times, but also the beginning times, talking about creation. When did Satan fall? When did, when did he become uh, from a good angel to a bad angel? Uh, I think it's very probable. The Bible doesn't tell us a couple of things about angels. It doesn't tell us exactly when they were created. It doesn't tell us that. It doesn't tell us the exact order of or when Satan went from being a good angel to a bad angel. I think it's very probable that he fell after he created, God created Adam and Eve. Because, matter of fact, all of the uh, descriptions of Satan falling, obviously pride. But why did he do it? What was his motivation? I think it may have been jealousy. You know, Satan was created as a crown uh, jewel, if you will, of, of whatever duties he had. We'll just leave it at that. But then along came Adam and Eve. And Satan found a soft spot and he went after it. And it's, that story is recorded in the Bible. And he went after it very subtly. And he's a tempter. He tempted Adam and Eve, he is the divider of homes and families, if you will. What I'd like for you to do now, talking about this bad guy and how he operates, uh, says that Satan and his messengers, they're also called demons. The Bible doesn't tell us how many demons there are. The only hint we have is it says Satan drew one-third of the stars of heaven out out with him. So we all we have is a fraction. So if God created, say, 33 billion angels, Satan's tail drew out 11 billion. That's more than one per person that's on the planet right now. So he's got, I don't know the number, nobody does, but he's got plenty of help. He's got plenty of people. Some of them are even in chains in prison, the Bible says, to be loosed a little bit later. But uh, in Ephesians chapter 5 and chapter 6, just want to hit on a couple of things here that's very interesting about Satan and also about what his role is. If you look... And remember, the book of Ephesians was a letter written by Paul under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And it was all one long letter. There were no chapters and verses whenever he penned it. And he goes around, he talks about in chapter 5, verses 22 uh, through 33. It talks about how powerful the home is. And every home needs a good mom and a good dad. Every home needs a a family that will stick together and pray together and not be, man, today's homes, we've got mixes and pairs and spares and, and steps and ins and outs. And I know I was raised in it. And I think Satan wants to destroy families he goes on to say in chapter six it just continues children hey listen you need to obey your parents and when verse five through nine whenever you go, have a job and you go to work i'm in chapter six five through nine and you go to work and then it says in chapter 10 now this is where we're going to start reading in chapter ephesians six ten. it says finally my brethren be strong in the lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of god why that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil he's he's a tricky rascal He wants to make you prideful, he wants to make you harmful, he wants to make you divisive, he wants to tear up your marriage, your home, your family, your relationships, your job, your testimony. If he can make you do something that would make you lose your testimony, he'll do it. He'll make you lose your temper. He'll make you lose your cool. He'll make you lose your uh, senses. He'll make you lose your common sense. Common sense to go out the window. Satan is tricky. He's manipulative. He's after everyone. He's after me. He's after you. Now, that being said, I've also said this. Uh, most of the time, now he's gonna, what he's going to do is, is he's going he's to throw stuff at you. He's going to do all this. But did you know Satan is not God? Let's go ahead and line, line, line. Most of you already know this. Did you know Satan also can't be in more than one place? God can be in more than one place at one time. God can be in your heart, my heart, their church, this church, that church, where Brother Joel is and believes and so on and so forth. But Satan can't do that. But he's got, guess what? Most of us, Satan doesn't bother. He doesn't you say well I know he's after me well probably there's two things after you your flesh and maybe a demon <laughs> that'd be about if and, and think about it think about this I want to make this statement and it's this is uh this ma- this matches the Bible think about this Satan is only one being right he can't be more than if we say literally Satan is after me then I'm saying that I'm a big enough, bad enough, important enough Christian that the arch enemy is taking notice of me. Now, are you living that kind of life? Matter of fact, did you know this? Think about this. Paul said when discussing the thorn in the flesh, when Paul was discussing, the, and he said, I prayed three times, Lord, would you remove the thorn in the flesh from me? And what he say? if you go over there, to, if you want to read it yourself, it's fine. It's found in Second Corinthians chapter 12. And guess what it says about the thorn in the flesh? The messenger of Satan to buffet me. So even Paul, in the thorn in the flesh, guess who was after him? Some, whatever means. We don't have to figure out what the thorn in the flesh was. The messenger of Satan was after Paul. Whatever the means it was, we don't know. Thank the Lord, because so even Paul, as as important as he was, the messenger of Satan was after him through some means. Head now to uh, uh, speaking of the same thing, Matthew chapter four. This is uh, Satan being uh, tempting Jesus Christ. Satan tempting Jesus Christ. Still talking about Satan. He's going about, I've heard one preacher put it this way and I think it, it makes perfect sense. He said he goes about as a roaring lion and a roaring lion is only roaring, a lion only roars twice to mark his territory to let you know he's around and when he's attacking OK, so Satan, if he's roaring, it's doing two things, letting you know he's around or number two, he's attacking. He's attacking us. He's attacking you. He's after you. He wants you to cause again. What is the worst harm? The worst harm that that Satan can do to you in your life. You know what it is? Ruin your testimony. Ruin And that makes you ineffective as a Christian, ineffective as a Christian. You say, well, God can overcome God doesn't always overcome our consequences. He can help us through stuff. In Matthew chapter four, three times Satan tempted uh, Jesus Christ. I just want to hit real quick that sometimes, whenever he confronts, he always confronts three ways. He can. There's only three ways any of us can be tempted: the lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it says this. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then the devil taketh him up into a holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple. And said unto him, if thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down for it is written, He shall give His angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said, It is written, again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Skipping on down, He tempts him again. Look at verse 10. Jesus said unto him, Get on out of here. <laughs> That's exactly what He said. That's the way we would talk about it. Get. The hints and folks, that's I don't think Jesus said, uh, would you be so kind as to please leave this area? I don't think Jesus spoke to him that way. He says, uh, get on out of here, because guess what? Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him. Behold, angels came and ministered unto him. That is an interesting, interesting verse. I want you to head now still in Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. Jesus is pastor in this first church. And uh, like any, uh, just, you know, Eve had dealt personally with Satan. Other people had dealt personally with Satan. Job dealt personally with Satan. Remember, it was Job who went up to the Lord and said, hey. Man, why are you protecting him? Let me at him. Job God said, hey, even if I let you at him, he won't deny me. And he didn't. And he stuck true. Now, he, he wondered why God allowed it. But Job was a great guy. And he was a, a super Christian, if you will. And Satan got after him. But God still protected Job's life. And Jesus dealt with Satan successfully, obviously. And then in Matthew 16, very interesting scripture. Jesus confronted a church member who was being controlled by Satan. Jesus confronted a church member that was being manipulated by Satan. Matthew 16:23 Says this. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou art an offense unto me. For thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. And of course, that's lost men. So this tells me that Satan, he's after you. He wants to try to ruin your life, your testimony, your marriage, whatever. And if you refuse him, he'll move on to somebody else, unfortunately. He left Jesus. He dealt with Jesus. He found out, I can't trip him up, so I'm going to ruin his church. He's trying to start a church. I'm going to tear it up. And he went after Peter. We find out that uh, he went after him, and he made him trip up. But uh, Peter stayed faithful. Back to our text in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9. What is our job when it comes to Satan? Our job is to whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. Uh, turn back in your Bibles just a couple of pages to James chapter 4 and verse 7. James chapter 4 and verse 7. This is our job. Our scripture in First Peter said... To resist him. And then it says again, James, a half-brother of Jesus. He wrote these words in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. I was telling somebody, uh, like I normally do, I I try to... uh, The Bible... Is telling us how to live. It's telling us how to live. It's telling us how to behave when Satan comes around. It's telling us what to do when Satan throws you a curveball or a temptation. You know what it says? It says to resist. In first Peter chapter five, verse nine, whom resists steadfast in the faith. I need to be strong, hold my ground, put on what does Ephesians six say? Put on the whole armor of God that I may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Pick up the, the shield of faith that, that, that would be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. Those, so, when the wicked one throws those fiery darts at you, and now here, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I love that next one. You know what it says? It says, Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. You know what I would say? Give God a hug and he'll hug you back. You know what nigh means? The word nigh means this close. Nigh means right beside you. Draw close to God. I've seen this before. And you have too. Have you ever seen somebody very discouraged? They're just discouraged. And you see a friend... Walk up to that discouraged individual. And they put their arm around them. And they say, it's going to be okay. Guess what James 4 is saying. When you get through and Satan has been after you, you say, God, I need you. You know what he's going to do? He's going to slip his arm around you. And he's going to say, I'm right here. I'm right here. Drawn out of God. And he... Will draw nigh to you. That's a pretty powerful statement. And a pretty powerful promise. Okay. So let's head back. To 1 Peter chapter 5. So our job is to resist. uh, The devil. Resist him. Draw nigh to God. He'll flee from you. Oh one other thing. I'm sorry I, I left this out. One last thing that our job is to do. Is don't give the devil any ammo. This is a very Famous scripture over here in Luke 22 and verse 31. There we go. Luke 22, verse 31. The Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not and when thou art converted strengthen thy brethren. Listen to me very closely this next promise. Satan wants to tear up your life too. Don't give him any ammo. If you it's kind of like playing with fire. You play with fire and you what? You'll get burned. You know the old saying, if you Hang around where he hangs out, you're gonna, it's gonna, the fire, so to speak, is gonna affect. If we listen to him, if we get tempted, if we give in, if we act like the world acts, if we lose our temper, if we lose our cool, if we lose our testimony, guess what Satan's gonna do? He's gonna throw it back in our face. Satan has a desire to sift y'all as wheat. And me is wheat. He wants to tear up. or Don't give him any ammo. And that's what Jesus was trying to warn uh, Peter. So he said, look out for him. And then after we suffer in life, we have a blessing. Okay, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10. But the God of all grace has called us into, into his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. After that, you've suffered a while. We get three things. When you go through difficulty in life, when you go through hard times, this is what happens. You get more mature. You say, well, I don't like getting more mature. Well, that yeah, Mm. I I have to suffer for it. Then it says, establish. Notice all these are set off by commas. Establish, and it's talking to you. So establish you means give you a foundation, give you something you can... That, you, that will hold you up. Well, isn't it great that you can rely on the Lord? He says, trust me, I'll be there. I'm going to be there for you. And then it says, strengthen you. When your strength fails, that's where His kicks in. And then it says, settle you. Which means that peace, as Philippians says, that passes all understanding. To Him be glory, dominion, and forever and ever. Amen. And folks, the last three verses... In verses 12, 13, and 14, and wrapping up this book, it's been a just, I've enjoyed preaching and studying it and looking at it. But 12 through 14, you know what I called it? Thank God for friends. Thank, because notice how Peter, he's an old man when he's writing this. He's on up in years. This is before, according to history, that he was crucified upside down. It says, by Sylvanus, and that's a fancy word, like sometimes Paul. Uh, would refer to Timothy as Timotheus. In some of the writings, this is a fancy word for Paul and Silas. You remember Silas? And then the other one in uh, verse 13, Marcus, which is the same kind of spelling of John Mark, which is pretty cool, is that, listen, John Mark, who was, who was just a little whippersnapper, who chickened out on the first missionary journey, he's, he's still hanging in there. And guess what's in Second uh, Timothy 4? He's helping out Paul, and guess who now he's helping out? He's helping out Peter. And uh, so all these guys, by Silvanus, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I've written briefly, exhorting and testifying that this is the true grace of God wherein you stand. The church that is at Babylon, so that was another church. Elected together with you, saluted you, and so doth Marcus, my son. And by the way, that wasn't his physical son, just his son spiritually in the ministry, which is pretty cool. And, uh, you know, I was talking to somebody the other day about Trey. You know, and Trey may be my associate pastor, but more, you know, the way I deal with him, the way most of the time is that, you know, I look at it as a team effort. And, hey, there was Paul and Barnabas, there was Paul and Silas, There was Peter and these guys. God sent out his two-by-two, and I'm thankful to have a great partner. Instead of just an associate pastor, he's a great partner in the ministry. And he picks it up whenever I can't, and I pick it up whenever he can't, can't, and so I appreciate him very much. But it says, so doth Marcus, my son. It meant my son in the ministry. And then the last one, greet ye one another. With a kiss, now I know if you have a King James Bible, it says a kiss of charity. But guess what that means? A kiss of love. And you know what that means? A greeting. And Folks, to love one another. We'll end with that one. Peace be with you all. More than anything, he ends with two things. All churches should have a foundation of Jesus Christ. And a love for people and a love for one another. The bad guy is Satan. But Satan will take you down and take me down, and we've, he's the enemy. Yeah, we're supposed to confront sin and stand against things that Jesus would stand against. That's what happened in the Bible here when Jesus stood against Peter. He said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Because Peter started acting like the lost world. And I tell you what, he did it. Did you do you think that Jesus loved Peter? Yeah, he loved him. And I tell you what, thank the Lord for love and peace that only comes through him. Only comes through Jesus Christ. As we prepare for him invitation. Whatever God may be laying upon your heart, tell yourself tonight, say, <clears throat> well, I, I, I need to be more on guard. I need to guard my heart. I need to guard my, my testimony. Is the, the, the devil, he, he's sneaky and he, he, will, he will convince us, he will convince us that we're headed down the right way. When we may be headed down the wrong way. That's why Peter he, he had to stop and realize, hey man, I'm I'm headed down the wrong I'm saved. I'm a member of the church. I was headed down the wrong way. I I needed to turn around. Matter of fact, it caused him to go against not only Jesus, but all his fellow church members. And he did, and God used him in a great and mighty way. That was cool, isn't it? Even when we mess up, God can still use us in a great and mighty way. Thank the Lord that God's there for us.